The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Fantasy NBA Today. Not so much hold the fantasy today because we are on the in-between day. Game four of the finals was Tuesday. Game five of the finals is tomorrow, which meant that Wednesday show we were able to break down the results from Tuesday's game four. And tomorrow we will preview game five with the only note I'll throw in today that the total at 216 in Lakers by 7 has pretty much held steady from yesterday's numbers that we gave out on the podcast. But the reason that I mentioned we will not be completely holding the fantasy today is that there was a sort of, I want to call it under the radar because it was publicized, but a little bit under the radar coaching move in the associate head coach ranks. And I want to talk a little bit about what that might mean for one particular franchise going forward today. I am Dan Vespers, by the way, and most of you likely know that because we're in the time of year where the only people listening to the podcast are the true diehards, the folks that have been listening to every damn show for probably four years and running now. And for that, I thank you dearly from the bottom of my heart. And I will also say, because you guys are the diehards and because you're stuck with me and seem to actually enjoy that, masochists though you may be, uh, I would kindly ask you guys if you could reach out to a buddy, a friend, whoever it might be, see if they might drop a five-star review on the podcast. This is a really hard time of year to get new reviews because there generally aren't new listeners. Uh, Well, I mean, normally in October there are a ton of new listeners, but this year, right at the tail end of the finals, which corresponds to roughly mid-June in a normal season, This is not a time when new people are picking up fantasy basketball podcasts. So if you guys have uh, a friend who maybe just got their first iPhone or you guys are in a virtual office and you're in a Slack chat and someone in there, you're like, I can bet this person has an iPhone. Just throw our show link in there, the the iTunes Fantasy NBA Today show link and just say, hey, if anybody has a second, please drop a five-star review on this show. This is a good buddy of mine. Uh, they don't even have to be into fantasy if you don't want, but th- again, this is, a, this is a tough time, so we're trying to see if we can squeeze a few more reviews out, at least uh, from you guys that I know ha- have done so much for me, and I, and I hope that I've done a decent amount for you guys as well. I'll mention right at the outset here, and this time I'm 100% sure of it, this will be a shorter show than usual. How am I so certain of this? Uh, well, nothing's really happening. We've already broken down Tuesday's game. I want to I save... Uh, our preview of the finals game five for uh, almost exclusively for tomorrow's show. And so on today's program, we're largely going to be talking about two small pieces of news that broke over the last couple of days, um, notably yesterday. Also, of course, I'll let you guys know what's going on with our different shows that we offer here at HoopBall. And when, you know, you can check out their most recent episodes and so forth. But the main topic... The main topic on today's show is the Sacramento Kings. And believe me, we'll spend some time going back through every team after free agency. But with a coaching shift, not at the head coach spot in Sacramento, I think there is something to be said for 
making some small, small but non, not meaningless adjustments to what we think of the Kings roster for next year. Yesterday, it was announced that Alvin Gentry, former head coach of the New Orleans Pelicans and offensive coach and associate head coach and assistant coach at thousands of junctures along the way, was going to be taking the associate head coaching spot with the Sacramento Kings. This was interesting news for a couple of reasons. Number one, it sounded like Doc Rivers wanted him on his staff in Philadelphia. So if you're going to sort of read between the lines a little bit, and I don't know if this is exactly what Damian and Jill mentioned on our uh, Hoopball Kings podcast that dropped yesterday, but if you're reading between the lines a little bit, Alvin Gentry knew that among his choices... If he goes to Philadelphia to join Doc Rivers' staff, that's his job. He's going to have that job for the duration of Doc's contract. Unless, you know, somebody offers him a head coaching job somewhere in the interim there. Which, uh, as much as we all love Alvin Gentry, I think we've talked about it before, offensive guru who never seems to be able to have a team that can play defense. And it's funny, too, because Anthony Davis actually came out and mentioned that in New Orleans, Gentry kept pleading with his guys to play defense, but I think there was a certain schematic lack of understanding. He brings this this genius brain on offense, and his teams just can't quite figure out the defensive side. He needs guys that really, truly understand it. The fact that that team had Drew Holiday and AD on it, or those teams, I guess I should say, and still couldn't guard anybody, was... Uh, a tiny bit upsetting. So, presumably, wherever Alvin ended up, and now we know it's Sacramento, anywhere he ended up, he was going to be largely running teams' offense. There's sort of no reason to bring him in there if you're not going to give him at least uh, a decent chunk of control over what a team's doing on the offensive end. Uh, similarly, you're probably not going to be relying heavily on him to orchestrate a team's defense. So, in my estimation... A guy with that background and sort of those things looming over him, both good and bad. It's a double-edged sword, right? Like, this is a guy who I think when teams are considering him for different positions, they're like, this guy can really run an offense. But good Lord, his teams don't win enough, not nearly enough, because they're not guarding anybody. That's not a guy who's going to leap to the front of a line of a head coaching search. However, and this is... I'm sure what everybody was saying about Jason Kidd in Los Angeles, although that was a little bit of a different scenario, Alvin looked at the two options sitting before him, which presumably was either assistant coach or associate head coach in Philadelphia under Doc Rivers, who came in brand new, by the way, just hired by Philly, so not on any kind of hot seat there, or same position, Sacramento, worst team, certainly, uh, up and coming, they, obviously Sacramento has some decent young players on that club, but they're far from being able to put all the pieces together on a consistent basis. But more importantly, Sacramento, young team, fine, like middle of the pack Western Conference would probably be decent in the Eastern Conference. But here's the most important part. Luke Walton on the hot seat. Completely new front office. Remember Vladi out, Monty McNair in. He'll bring in his people. The only person that's hanging around is Luke Walton. And it's probably contractually 
tied in some respect. So you gotta believe, and this is, so, there's, there's two sides to this thing too. I love the Kings getting Alvin Gentry, and we'll talk about what that means from a fantasy perspective in just a second. I love that they're getting someone with pedigree, with proven, with a track record and offensive success on a team that went from run, 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 run under Dave Yeager to trading for Harrison Barnes, grinding to a halt, forcing this team to try to figure out how to play defense never really learning how, and just taking away their offensive identity. That, to me, is probably going to change. And more importantly, Alvin Gentry now breathing down the neck of a head coach who I'm sure was already looking over his shoulder when there wasn't anyone there. You know, Luke Walton, since this front o- the, the front office changed, every time he wakes up in the morning and checks his phone, he's probably looking for a text message from Monty McNair that's like, Luke, let's talk. You know, let's have the talk. It's not me, it's you. Every day, no text message. Every day, no text message. And then yesterday, he woke up to a text. I was like, Luke, we're getting you Alvin Gentry as your associate head coach, which is like, well, I mean, this is put up or shut up, right? This is bleep bleep or get off the pot. So there's a lot of pressure on the Kings this year. And mostly, it's on Luke Walton. He's not a good head coach in Los Angeles. He hasn't been a good head coach in Sacramento yet. I'm not really certain how that dude still has a head coaching job. I think everybody was like, well, he won a bunch of games coaching the Warriors. Yeah, my pinky finger could have won a bunch of games coaching the Warriors. You know what my pinky would have said? It would have pointed at Kevin Durant and Steph Curry and said, throw it that way. And then when someone was like, what about defense? I would have been like, meh. You guys got KD, Steph, Clay, and Draymond to orchestrate. It could be okay. Now, what about the Kings roster in all of this? What, what does the Alvin Gentry hire actually mean from the fantasy perspective? Well, Kent Bazemore is off the books, and he's really the one big contract that changed. And I know it's weird. You're like, Kent Bazemore, big contract? Yeah, dude was making $19 million this year. He was part of that ridiculous overpay that happened for everybody that became a free agent four years ago. So that deal is done. Will he return? I don't know. It doesn't really matter. He had a decent role with that team by the end of the year, but he'll probably go looking for someplace he can compete for a title, would be my guess. He'll be uh, 32 this coming season, which is not old per se, but on the back end of your prime years. And that's when these guys are like, yeah, all right, I've, you know, I've kind of made my... I've made my nest egg, and certainly for Bays, whatever it was, $60, $80 million contract, or whatever he signed that last time around, that's a pretty good nest egg. Um, get this right. I think he's made about $75 million in his NBA career now, thanks to this last uh, four-year deal that shook out. So, you know, he's not like, I got to go find some place where I can make another $20, $30, $40 million. I'm sure if someone would give him that, he, would, he wouldn't turn it down. But he'll be going to some place to take, you know, three, four, five million, maybe less, to be a contributor on a playoff team. Probably not the Kings. Bogdan Bogdanovich is, uh, I believe, a restricted free agent at this point, and presumably they want to bring him back. He was only making $8.5 million last year which I say it out loud, I'm like, only eight and a half million. Well, yeah, uh, his salary will be going up. 
Jabari Parker has a player option for $6.5 million. Um, my guess is he'll probably take it. The current market, I can't imagine he's about to make a whole bunch of money. Darren Fox signed for one more year before they have to deal with that. And then, of course, the Albatrosses. The Albatry? The Albatrosses on the Kings. The uh, I, People are going to kill me for this, but I think the biggest Albatross is actually Harrison Barnes, even though I'm sure everyone else is saying Buddy Heald. Because there's stuff going on with Buddy Heal. There's drama on that end. He lost his starting job. He and head coach Lute Walton are not seeing eye-to-eye at all. Heald is a guy who thrived under Dave Yeager and has completely regressed under Luke Walton in his age 27 season. Brutal. Brutal turn for Buddy and the Kings, especially after they gave him almost $100 million. A $91 million deal that is... Uh, working in reverse. They gave him the big money up front because they knew they'd be trying to add salary later, and so hopefully his money wouldn't count that hard against him. That's a guy they're going to be trying to move. Because if they're bringing back Bogdan Bogdanovich, that just that solidifies the shooting guard logjam, and you know Buddy wants out. The question is, can they get him out? If Buddy Heald is not traded, I don't know how you draft him. I mean, I'm sure he'll be okay, but with things seemingly going south before they go north for him, that's a hell of a risk. He was number 69 on a per-game basis this last year. Obviously, he was healthy, so that helped him on a totals aspect, but shooting regressed, playing time took a nosedive towards the end of the year, so his per-game numbers actually were suffering even more, and I don't see much of that changing this coming season, especially given the uh, fraught relationship between Buddy and the coaching staff. So let's assume the Kings don't re-sign Kent Bazemore. They uh, do bring back Bogdan Bogdanovich to a longer deal. They have Harrison Barnes forever. Yikes. They gave that dude $85 million for reasons completely unknown. And then, of course, De'Aaron Fox, who's the guy they're building around. Uh... Nemanja Bjelica has a non-guaranteed contract this coming year. Presumably, they will keep him. He's been a really nice kind of Swiss Army knife type for that team. He can't guard anybody. He's a, he's a turnstile on defense, but as an orchestrator, he's been useful. And then the best contract they've got on their team is in Rashawn Holmes' $5 million for this coming year. Marvin Bagley, of course, also signed. We still haven't really seen him be healthy or not suspended for an extended stretch. But that's something to keep an eye on as well. So if you're grading this out, you're looking at a Kings team that probably looks a lot like they looked at the end of the year without Kent Bazemore. And probably, if Heald isn't traded, he picks up a few of those Bays minutes. They almost don't have a choice. They could, they could try to ram those minutes down Corey Joseph's throat, but offensively, he's a massive liability. Defensively, he's given more credit than he deserves. He's fine. I mean, he's no better or worse, really, than Buddy Heald on ball. He's probably better from a I-know-where-I-should-be-on-defense perspective. But if this team is really going to give Alvin Gentry the keys to what they're doing on offense, I, I, I can't believe that Corey Joseph is going to be soaking up truckloads of minutes. But a lot of guys should excel under a Gentry offense. They should be moving again. I think you'll see better pace, which is going to help Darren Fox a lot, a lot, a lot. It'll help Marvin Bagley if he can stay healthy. 
It'll help Rashawn Holmes, depending on what his role looks like next year. Uh, Bielitsa might get played off the floor a little bit if they're really moving and trucking like that. Uh, but to me, there are enough minutes on this team where you could actually see a, a handful of fantasy values. The starting lineup is probably looking like De'Aaron Fox at point guard, Bogdan Bogdanovich at shooting guard. And this is where things get a little bit murky, but probably, probably Harrison Barnes at small forward. Either Bielitsa or Barnes, or excuse me, either Bielitsa or Bagley at power forward. And then probably the other one of those two guys at center. My guess would be Rashawn Holmes is coming off the bench. But it's a possible they could go ultra big, bring Bielitsa off the bench, uh, and start Rashawn Holmes. I just I don't think that's I don't think that's what they're gonna be doing. I think they'll bring Holmes in and he'll be sort of your firecracker off the bench, which thinks for his fantasy value, uh, because it it hard caps his minutes on a per game basis, but he'll still have something going on. Is this going to save Harrison Barnes? The answer is no. Absolutely not. Dude does not have fantasy game anymore. I don't know if he ever really did. Whatever he had before was so heavily reliant on him scoring a bunch of points, and that's just not going to be the case in Sacramento, where he's the third at best offensive option, probably more like three and a half or number four. So Barnes is right out. Marvin Bagley has an opportunity to actually be kind of a value play next year. He's number 151 this season, but he only played in 13 games. Average 14.7.5 rebounds in 26 minutes per game. That's a number that should trend up. Shot 46.7%. That's a number that should trend up. 81% at the free throw line was actually a really nice marker for him. Half a steal, one block. Again, didn't really get into a normal routine, so those numbers should also be on the way up. I, I have a lot of questions on Bagley's ADP for next year, meaning, you know, is he are, are a lot of people going to be looking at him for a bounce-back year, or are people going to feel so soured by this season that they leave him alone? Is he a guy that falls towards the edge of the top 100? If so, scoop him. I don't think he's ever going to be a nine-category powerhouse because, to me, the free-throw number probably comes down. He doesn't do much besides points and rebounds uh, on the offensive end. No three-pointers, really. No no assists, really. Steals and blocks. Are, the verdict is kind of out on him. But to me, there he's... An interesting post-hype guy to keep an eye on. Darren Fox was trending up towards the end of the year. I see no reason why that shouldn't continue next season. Uh, I don't think people were soured on him. He finished at 82. A strong finish was uh, certainly useful for him. He played in 51 games this year. Injuries were a problem. But if he's getting out and running, to you know, again, free throws are the big issue for Fox. He even added a three-pointer one this com- this last season. But good field goal percent from a point guard. You're going to get points. You're going to get assists. You're going to get steals. If we can get the free throw number up even a fraction, even from 70 to like 73 or 74%, you're talking about a guy with top 50 outlook, I think. That's not that that crazy to to point at the top 50. Getting higher than that is going to require a really big leap in free throw shooting, like a really big one. So De'Aaron Fox probably ends up getting drafted pretty close to where he goes. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich had a really nice bubble, but also is insanely unpredictable on the offensive end. But he's going to have, not the keys to the car, those go to Fox, but he's going to have the sort of driver's ed brake pedal in the passenger seat. So he's going to be the second in command of running the offense. So I think you see the assists trend up with him. I think you're looking at a guy who 
You know, in, in 29 minutes a game this year, finished around top 90 on a per-game basis, and I think that probably moves up a little bit. But I also think, especially if Buddy Heald is traded, he's going to be a guy who gets targeted as a buzz guy in fantasy drafts. Heald is actually kind of your interesting guy in this mix uh, because if he doesn't get traded, he's probably still going to get 20 to 25 minutes a game. No one's going to want to touch him, and you can scoop him up, you know, 80 or 90 or wherever he falls to, be fine with the fact that he's going to be a late-round producer, and if he does get moved at any point during the year, you get this giant leap. That's your upside. And then Rashawn Holmes, who probably will play about 20 to 25 minutes a game, just like Heald, but we know in 20 to 25 he can be an easy top 100. He can go top 75. So I think those guys end up being interesting sort of later-round selections you could grab that should help your team a lot. So a quick review here. Barnes, not draftable. Bagley, big question marks, but potential for post-hype. Fox, probably accurately drafted. Bogdanovich, probably a little bit overdrafted, if I had to guess, even though he will likely make a move forward. Heald, probably underdrafted because he's a mess, and the bottom could fall out, so don't spend anything higher than about a top 85 or 90 pick on him. But there is some interesting upside there if he doesn't completely get ruled out. Uh, especially if Gentry's offense helps wake him back up again. And then Rashawn Holmes, who, listen, we, you guys all know the hoop ball Rashawn Holmes story. We're repeating things at this point, but bears repeating. He is very good and a terrific, terrific fantasy asset that again, the, the, the final wrap up here is you, uh, all of these guys get a slight uptick. If Gentry can get this team running again. It's as simple as that. So even if you're looking at a guy like Buddy Heald and thinking, what if this is a disaster of a year? Yeah, but if they're running, 22 minutes a game for him is actually enough for okay fantasy value. The other little thing I thought I'd mention, and it's more uh, pertaining to the finals, is that Goran Dragic has been downgraded from questionable back to doubtful for tomorrow's game. So there was some hope that he might be able to try to play through his torn plantar fascia, which was going to be really hard. He wasn't going to be himself. And I think that the the conclusion here, and, you know, maybe he still gives it a go, but doubtful downgraded the day before is not a, a good sign for him playing. Playing probably would have been bad for everything related to the heat. Like, it would have been bad for him. It would have hurt him playing on a torn uh, plantar fascia would have been incredibly painful. And I think it also would have hurt Miami because fully competent Goran Dragic would have been their best option at that position on the floor for his minutes on the floor. But Goran Dragic going at like 40% is less effective than more Tyler Hero and a little bit more Kendrick Nunn. That's the the weight. That's the the balance they're working on. The scales of justice are... Whatever Goron can give us, is that actually better than what we're getting out of Hero and Nunn, who have been fine. Tyler Hero's been getting way more credit than he deserves. He's had a really nice postseason. He's super young, and I think he's actually a really interesting breakout candidate for next year because I think they'll they'll give him all the minutes he can handle. Uh, but from an efficiency standpoint, Hero's been a mess. Luckily, in fantasy, that doesn't matter quite as much. It really does if you're trying to win one individual ball game, but we're starting to see that his game is rounding into a more interesting fantasy grouping. Remember during the regular season, we were like, look, if Harrow, Nunn, and Dragic are all healthy, they're just going to siphon from each other. 
And that that really was the case. It really was the case. Um, but Harrell is the guy with the long term outlook here. He's the he's the the lottery guy who wasn't he? It was like the end of the lottery, something like that. Uh, who is signed next year on his rookie deal. They've got team options for a couple years after that. Kendrick Nunn was the minimum salary undrafted dude. I, I know they like him, and he was in the running for rookie of the year, which is a little bit silly, but some of it has to do with, do with just uh, how much you're given. But here's the most important part. Dragic, 19 millions are coming off the books at the end of this year. His contract is over. The Heat actually clear a crap ton of salary cap space at the end of this year. Dragic, Solomon Hill, Myers Leonard, Jake Crowder, Udonis Haslam, and Derek Jones Jr. are all off the books after this season. Uh, none and Duncan Robinson have non-guaranteed contracts next year that they will almost definitely pick up for $1.5 million each. And then it's Jimmy Butler, Andre Iguodala, uh, a player option that Kelly Olynyk will probably exercise, Hero, and Bam Adebayo, who's on a crazy team-friendly deal, but the Heat have loads of room as they line up for that 2021 free agent class. So I don't think, unless Dragic is willing to sign a one-year deal, which he might, next year you might see Tyler Hero take over as the key number three guy on that team. Butler, Adebayo, and then it'd be Tyler. He'll have a lot of buzz around his name. With the way ESPN's treating that dude, He's going to go into fantasy drafts, and he's going to be dramatically overdrafted, but he is certainly someone to keep an eye on. And then, you know, back to the point at hand here, it seems like we're going to have the same rosters from Game 4 to Game 5, so that'll make our handicap for tomorrow's episode of Fantasy NBA Today a little easier. Uh, Tonight, today, tonight, more baseball playoffs. Fun games going on right now. I'm very upset to find out that one of the games today is on a network that I don't get. Maybe I can get it if I if I use ExpressVPN. Log in as one of you guys. Um, check out expressvpn.com slash hoopball. Get 15 months for the price of 12. That is the deal on the table. Manscaped.com if you want to get your lawnmower 3.0. And, of course, mybookie.ag. The promo codes that you need to remember are, again, for ExpressVPN, it's actually the, the link itself. It's expressvpn.com slash hoopball. For mybookie.ag, it's the word hoopball on the third page of sign up. And for manscaped.com, you enter the promo code hoopball20 at checkout. That's the three different ways that you can use our site name to get yourself some wicked sweet deals. I am Dan Bespris. This is an abridged fantasy NBA today. Congratulations to the Kings picking up a really nice asset for their coaching staff. And good luck to Luke Walton tomorrow. Well, handicap game five. That'll be it. Uh, basketball might be over by the time we talk after tomorrow's episode. Friday, by Monday, we might be talking about something completely different. We may have crowned a champion over the weekend. By all accounts, we probably will. By the uh, by the way, the odds right now on uh, different exotics. If you're if you're into that sort of thing, before we put a bow on this, for the Lakers to win on Friday. Uh, series prices, it's at my, minus 335. Obviously, that's the same as the money line for the ball game. For the Lakers to win in six games, it's at plus 360. For the Lakers to win in seven, 13 to 1 odds. For the Heat to win the series, 22 to 1 odds. There's, by all, the Lakers are probably going to win on Friday, but there is something to be said for the Lakers winning in six games if someone on the Heat happens to explode in Friday's game. To me, it just feels like 
The Lakers are going to sort of grind out the first quarter, try to keep it close. I know it's weird to say with the team that I think is going to win is going to be trying to keep it close for the first 12 minutes. I don't think they put Anthony Davis on Jimmy Butler until a little bit later in the ballgame to make sure he doesn't get into foul trouble. Maybe they put LeBron on him early, or maybe it's still combinations of, you know, Danny Green and Contavious Caldwell-Pope and stuff like that, and maybe Jimmy gets off to a quick start again. Who knows? I think it'll be a dogfight again, but as I mentioned after the last one, I do think the Lakers uh, made some key adjustments and, and have now sort of forced the Heat to doing things they're not as comfortable with. But we'll talk about that tomorrow. That's tomorrow's handicap. I just wanted to throw some series prices out there. Uh, by the way, the Lakers to win the series at any juncture is minus 10,000. Nah. Have a great Thursday, everybody. This is Fantasy NBA Today. Not hold the fantasy today. At Dan Bespris, if you want to follow me on Twitter. Uh, at HoopBallTweets, if you want to see everything going on with the good folks over at HoopBall. Uh, latest episodes from across our galaxy. HoopBall Gaming had a sweet one out yesterday. They'll have another one today. HoopBall Lakers podcast from Ethan Noroff and JC DeLeon. Uh, HoopBall Kings podcast, Jillian Adge and Damian Barling with an episode and a HoopBall Hawks episode from earlier this week. That's the great Brad Harden. Okay, for real this time. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. So long. This has been a HoopBall presentation.